Welcome to HR and Cocktails, brought to you by Prescott HR, home of unintimidated HR, the show for business owners and executives to learn more about all aspects of human resources with your host, Kimberly Prescott. Welcome. Thank you again for joining us on HR and Cocktails. I am your host, Kimberly Prescott, and I am joined today by the Keith Daw. I say the Keith Daw because if you haven't met him, he absolutely needs a the in front of his name. <laughs> <laughs> and he is with um, McDonald Consulting, um, a Sandler company. So Keith, tell us a little bit about your business and then we're gonna jump into our icebreaker. Oh, icebreaker sounds good. <laughs> so the, the, the 30 second, 30,000 foot, etc. working with companies that are already doing a great job but know that there's room for improvement. They're committed to excellence and they recognize that, uh, you know what, sometimes I should probably reach out to the experts to help me could be in leadership development, somebody got promoted, or you want to uh, retain and, and, and grow your, your existing talent and leadership. Could be that whole sales, business development, practice development thing that scares some people or leaving some margin on the table. And then the communications thing that everybody tends to screw up. We, we work with companies to make sure they're world class as opposed to just better, better class. Awesome. So that sounds awesome. I'm super excited about our topic today. But before we get started, we're going to do an icebreaker. Um, this is a segment that I introduced uh, a couple of episodes ago, and I am still not sure how to play I Declare War. So he is laughing at me. I'm probably the only person on the planet that doesn't know how to play it. But um, for those of you that may not have heard the previous episode, my husband bought me a deck of playing cards, a full deck, and each card has a drink recipe on it. So you get to learn a lot of new drinks um, through this method <laughs> of playing cards. So Keith is gonna remind me how to play I Declare War so that we can have a new drink recipe. So so we could do this one of two ways. We, the traditional way would be we flip over a card yes. and whichever number is higher, that person wins. Okay. But we could also do with whoever has the cooler drink. I like that one. All right. But the, that's really subjective, but I like it. It okay. is. So, so let's go ahead and flip All it right. over here. So I, you've got the 10. Yeah, so I got the win. 10, but both of these are mint drinks, even though I will uh -huh. say if you follow me on my YouTube channel, you know this girl loves mint. Mm -hmm. So this is, both of these are winners. So we have the mint julep and a mojito, but I don't know that those, I think those are pretty standard. So let's do another. All right. All right. See, and I've got my ace over your jack. Yes, and his ace is Sex on the Beach. Sex on the Beach and a pina colada. So they go together. I'm getting a theme right here. I know. So we'll do one more, and then we'll pick a drink to make on the YouTube channel. All right, ready? Okay, all right. Oh, a mimosa. That's, again, Oh, oh, but so, but see, so both they're, but they, they tied. So now we got to go to war. So then you put down three cards and flip one. That's going to be the one that we ultimately make because now we're going to go to war. We're going to go to war. So okay, one, one, two, three, flip. Ah, and I got you've got a, a Cosmo. A Cosmo. Yes, and I've already made a Cosmo on the channel. Okay. So um, we'll look at yours and... All right. Yeah, that's kind of boring. Is or it, we could just go ahead and cheat and just look at the other cards that we didn't flip over let's cheat and, and just pick one that looks awesome. That one looks good. Okay. All right, so I am going to... I'm going to do the planter's punch. Okay. All right. So look on Instagram and YouTube 
um, after you listen to this episode and I will make a planter's punch for you. It looks really good. It looks very Caribbean. And, and anything with dark rum and an umbrella at least has to absolutely. get your attention. Absolutely. And pineapple juice and orange juice. I mean, how can you go wrong? So awesome. All right. So planter's punch it is for this episode. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, this is going to be fun. Yes, it will be. So you told us a little bit about... Um, McDonald Consulting, but tell us about you. Tell us about what you do in the organization. How'd you get here? How'd you become passionate about um, development? How many hours we have? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so my role is a more of a hybrid role. So I am in a position where I need to go find individuals, professionals, teams, companies that are looking to grow, as we explained earlier. Again, in that leadership, sales, communication type thing. Uh, and a lot of times we... Uh, you know, we, we find companies that they want one person that can relate to it, but I'm also part of the strategy, part of the training. So instead of just turning around and saying, hey, back in the day when I used to, mm-hmm. I can turn around and be that product of the product, or as we like to say, sometimes you have to eat your own dog food. Mm-hmm. So do you want to learn from someone who does it and is doing it? And I've had clients that have learned from networking and things, and then they'll see me at a networking event and they're like, holy crap, he actually does the things he tells us to do. And if I can't take the training center into the sales call or the sales call into the training center, then it means I'm doing something wrong. So I I like that dual role. It's been eight and a half years. I was a client for just shy of two years prior. Uh, Owned a public relations firm. And as many people, worked at a big company, in my case, a big international PR firm, had some success. I wanted to go one way. They wanted me to go another so I had the great idea, I'll start my own company. And as my history and some of the, the, the fuel for what I do is we all know what it's like. You're, you're super smart, super passionate, or just dog-headed, you know, whatever, when it comes to a, a particular industry, a particular position, you start a company and all the things you don't know can come back to bite you. So I grew it as far as I knew how to grow it. Uh, I didn't have counsel in certain areas. I'm like, oh, well, that would have been good to know. And then I also didn't know how to increase my margins when I was in a highly competitive space. Uh, Didn't know how to manage certain people to get them to the level I thought they should be at or could be at, or even have to find out whether or not they even wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of those things. So I went through some executive coaching, went some sales training, even though I'd already been in sales for 20 plus years, had all kinds of competitions, trips, prizes, etc. there was still so much left on the table. So ultimately, as I started working more and more as a client, I started realizing I like what they do better than what I do. And I was kind of in a transition spot with, I was doing a little training and I didn't know if that was the shiny object or if that was the next phase. So kind of closed things down, made that transition back in late 2011. And at this point, I've been working in that capacity ever since. Awesome. So tell me um, a little bit about how training and development differ because I think many times we hear those words I know specifically in HR we hear um, you know we want someone that does training and development but I know that they're different but how would you describe the difference between the two okay great question and and a conversation we have a lot because people could have different interpretations and not suggesting one's right one's wrong just from my perspective the training tends to be a an event so whether it's a 
two-hour training, a 30-minute webinar, half-day, full-day, couple days. Somebody's going to learn something, and it's going to check a box. It's going to fill a need, regardless of the quality. It's, it's usually an event. Whereas the development then is the ongoing, the reinforcement, the mastery level, if you will. A colleague of mine said several years ago that my task when working with clients is to help them understand three things. You got to take them from learning to knowing to owning it. Mm -hmm. And so if they go to a training event and they learn really good stuff, regardless of the topic, that's great. But do they need to get better at it? And if they need better, they need ongoing practice, ongoing role play, coaching, additional tools, maybe additional training, whatever that format might look like. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, let's pick a baseball team. What's your favorite team? team? Right? Which team would you be talking <laughs> Gee, about? I don't know, that W oh, team that you're all decked out in? W? Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, so whether it's a baseball, whether it's football, whatever the case might be, they have their spring training, they have their training camp. And yes, there's some auditioning that's going on there, but they go and they learn the things that they need to learn for the season or the year ahead of them. But it's not like they go, okay, whatever, let's just go ahead and practice and or, or forego practice and then let's just show up to the game and see what happens. But people will do that. They'll show up to a meeting with one of their with one of their teammates and they don't practice any of the coaching, accountability, hard conversations, who cares about their communication style, or they walk into a sales meeting, eh, I learned it three months ago, it's probably in my head somewhere. Mm-hmm. So the development part is how do we go ahead and get better? Again, whether it's mastery, ultimately it's it just comes out. You say something smart in a meeting or a conversation, you don't really know where it came from. It's just kind of part of who you are now. Mm-hmm. That's where the development part comes and you know, it takes time. So when I think about training and you tell me um, what your take on it is, I feel when my concept of training, so when a client says, I need my employees to get training, I feel like they want them to get some pieces of information and potentially understand a concept, but not necessarily to, to master it. So if I go in and I need to train a group of people on, let's say, anti-harassment, it's really, what are some red flags? What are some things that you need to know? And then take that to someone else so they can help you figure it out. It's not necessarily to your point so that it becomes muscle reflex in them. It's so that they just have some information. What would you say are some examples of things that would require training, the one-time hit, the event? What would you say would be some things that would be training? Great question. And, and I think some of them are topics that you've mentioned. You know, I've had, uh, you know, hey, I need to be awareness of, of others. Call it sexual harassment, call it diversity, inclusion. Uh, not saying that they're not important, not saying that we all shouldn't get better at them, but those are usually a, let's go here, learn this thing, now we're aware of it, Mm-hmm. And then at some point, maybe the topic pops back up again, but we're a little bit smarter than we were before. We have some more skills. We have some, you said conceptually. I think those topics tend to be. Mm-hmm. It's when you delve into other areas, whether it's mm-hmm. honing your craft or gets into the, for a higher word, you know, soft skills. Mm-hmm. Then I think those are the ones that really need development. So can you tell me um, along that line, when should an organization think about a development program? for a particular topic? What would be an example of um, something that would require a development program, an intensive program ongoing for, what kind of topic would that be? 
So I think to answer, but quite not quite answer the question, uh, I think it's when you're talking about your your journey mapping for or the the mapping of the the, the, the employees path Mm -hmm. so you have existing employees and you said look I want to go ahead and keep them here and retain them what path do they have within the organization or thinking about recruiting what path is that person going to be able to go or what options does he or she have if you can identify what those paths might be then it might help you understand do I need communication skills do I need leadership skills do I need customer service skills are these people going to be salespeople? Is there going to be a start as you know telemarketing inside sales and maybe go outside? I mean, there's a lot of those. Mm-hmm. So I think it's as you start mapping out the path the employees could take, mm-hmm. then I think it might it might open up the the opportunities for whatever topics it might need to development. So let's say I'm a potential client and I come to you and I say, Hey, Keith, I really have, I have a group of managers that we really want to grow and develop. What are some of the questions? What do you do with me to help me identify what that path is and how I really narrow in on what I want to focus on for that group? Pretty timely. So I had that conversation last week with with somebody who says, we've got 18 people nine of them are are future rock stars and they've never had any formalized training and then some of us could probably get a little bit better but let's focus on you know these these uh, i won't say younger but perhaps uh, less experienced because there's all kinds of different ages that's when i put on my business my business doctor hat Mm -hmm. and the first thing i'll start talking thing talking about is strategy what are you looking to accomplish? Why are you doing this? Are, are you looking to develop the people in leadership because you're now looking at your succession for you and others on the executive team? In which case, okay, so what is the time frame? Are we looking who could or should be trainable? Who you should be never considering for leadership? So we can start understanding a little bit more about what we're looking to do or hey, I'm not going anywhere for 10 or 15 years. I just want to have some amazing people that I can have them own different parts of the company, etc. So understanding the strategy helps. Secondly, then we'll look at the structure. How are you currently set up? It could be, is there telecommuting? Is it everybody's within one office? Are there multiple offices? What's the hierarchy, the org chart look like? Does any changes have to be made? Because any number of those things that can impact who reports to who. Are you all coming in and learning as peers, or are you learning to be able to manage up, manage down, manage across? So a lot of that stuff's important to make sure I don't miss anything and can get all the right information. Uh, then we'll go ahead and look at the, the staff. Mm-hmm. And Jim Collins talked about having people on the right seats of the bus. Keith Daw says, sometimes they're on the wrong bus. Mm-hmm. So the people that you hoped would evolve into a position may not be suitable for it or those that got you to where you are now may not be part of whatever changes and just role alignment in general are they doing what they want to do or where they're talented or just because they're afraid you're going to fire them if they don't say yes and then the skills part comes as a as a result of what skills do you and or they need to make all those things we just uncovered work so by putting on the business doctor hat instead of saying hey here's a script and here's a surgery be very very quick to very uh, to, to to make it a solution. I want to go ahead and kind of think everything through, mm-hmm. and that's when we oftentimes can uncover things that they didn't know were happening, or in some cases they didn't want to admit were happening, mm-hmm. and and then that's when we can determine whether or not we want to work together. So what I hear you say is 
it is a process. So it's not just call Keith and say, hey Keith, I have some people that I want to make better leaders. And you say, okay, let me open up my you know, bookshelf and pull off this program and come in and give it to you. There is an analysis and an assessment that has to be done and really an alignment with the business and making sure that you're bringing the right tools to those people, making sure they are the right people. And I think it, that's an interesting point because I know being on the consulting side of a business, clients want, they just want a solution today. They're not always excited to hear, well, I don't know what that solution is and I don't know Mm-hmm. What that's how much that solution is going to cost because there's some due diligence that we need to do on the front end. How do you manage that? Um, manage their expectations during that process. So two things. There's the voice inside my head of what I'd like to say, and then there's the getting permission to be a little candid. So part of it, as I'm hearing these things, are the reason you're having the problems you're having is because you've done it wrong in the past, mm-hmm. and and wrong not entirely, just maybe not all the ways you could have. Back to the training as an event versus development as an ongoing. So I, along with probably most of the people here, you've gone to or been sent to some kind of training, some kind of workshop, some kind of seminar, and some were awesome. And some you almost remember to use some of the stuff that you learned. And then there's some other stuff where you're thinking, this guy is reading a PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) All the right. So how much money does somebody spend and who do I have to smack when I get back to the office? So I want to go ahead and keep that in mind that I've been through those. I've made some of those mistakes that most people have. So to be thorough, to be able to walk them through, to make certain of two things. A, if you're going to spend any time, any money, you're, you're going to be sending people out of their world to learn something and do something for, for all things holy. Let's make sure it works. Mm-hmm. And then secondarily, I also want to go ahead and make certain that I'm not on the hook for, well, we went to a bunch of training and uh, we'll keep, right? So I want to make sure we get it right. And I would rather turn around and say, I'm not the right person for you than turn around and go, oh, yeah, sorry, I missed that. Sorry, it didn't work. And by the way, I'm not giving you a refund. Mm-hmm. So being thorough like that that helps me to determine who's serious about growing and who's just looking to say, hey, who's going to be the flavor of the month or flavor of the year in X topic? Sure, absolutely. So when you think about the elements of a solid development program, what would you say are some of the key elements so that when an organization is evaluating, let's say you against another company, um, what are the things that they should think about and really focus in on? So when when they're trying to say, okay, is it, is it Keith and Chris or is it XYZ company? Mm-hmm. I think part of it is going to be, are these people looking to go ahead and make a sale? Or are they looking to personally be part of our company? Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to be that dotted line on the org chart. We just don't want to be conceived as some kind of vendor. Or perceived, I should say. So these are the ideas right here to say, all right, look, are you? How are they going to go about determining? So there's all kinds of different competency and aptitude assessments. Uh, some better than others, and I won't go on record now of saying which ones I, <laughs> I, I abhor. But uh, but at the same time, 
I call it a business MRI. Let me go ahead and see what kind of gaps do you have with regards to prices, you know, processes, are there certain blind spots? Uh, you know, there's certain people that just aren't trainable or there's opportunities to say, I would highly recommend you do not put that person into that kind of a role because I don't know if they're gonna get past a certain level. So when we can take a look at it, we determine who should or should not be in a training program and then who should be receiving the development. But then we also know specifically what development. So let's say for instance, you and I were both on this team that we're getting assessed and it's on leadership. Well, you might be great as far as an ops and, and consulting leadership, and maybe I might be more of a sales leadership. Hey, you can rally the team and do all this stuff, but Keith, don't worry about the operations and COO aspect, let Kimberly handle that. Mm-hmm. We would both get some of the same core things, but the paths that we would, in the training, but the paths we would take from a development would be completely different, mm-hmm. and we'd be able to have that MRI to find out who should be getting what paths. Mm-hmm. And from that standpoint, it makes the training and the coaching very personalized, both as what they need to do, what the manager needs to do, and then what our role is going to be too. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And I think when you, when I hear it like that, it makes a lot of sense because again, when I think about training, I think about some of the, like to your point, some of the conferences I've gone through and sessions that I've sat through and even some of the three or four day or, you know, six month long cohort programs that I've gone through and I've learned some concepts but I don't necessarily know that it was personalized and developed the way that you just described. So I think I may need some development. And and to that point, I had a conversation (laughs) Friday afternoon and there was a person that said, we spent a nice investment to have these two gentlemen come in and do training. It was a, it was a two hour training event at the national sales conference. And then each quarter, these two gentlemen went in all day for a group of 20, a group of 10, a couple different cities, and this person managed the teams in each of the cities. So they sat in the training sessions. They actually had more access to the trainers than, than anybody else did. And they said, you know, at the end of the year, there was some good stuff, but I wasn't able to really put it all together to figure out how to actually use it and make the most of it. And if I had more exposure than the rest of the team, kind of a dot 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 at that point so not only is it making certain you have the the right people the right you know the right company the right focus but also laying out the the format because if it's from a development standpoint if it's just a you know couple hours every few months people sleep and people do all kinds of other things you know in between the sessions and they forgot what they learned two months ago I mean, heck, some of us forgot what we had for for you know for dinner a week ago. Mm-hmm. So understanding that, and if there's anything that has to be changed as far as stretching comfort zone, recognizing that, well, maybe I wasn't always doing it. You know, any of those things, accountability, that just you know makes you know makes it even harder to go ahead and, and get the the reinforcement and the development part to stick. Do you have any examples of a program that you? felt was successful, of course, changing the names to protect the innocent, but um, what is a program that you would say really worked well, and what was the ROI for the organization? Okay. So, client of ours that came to us in the process we are talking about, uh, the business. So, somebody that said, we're already doing a great job, we're already the market leader, However, we've got a couple different divisions. We've got some rock stars that we've brought in from a sales and leadership from their previous companies, previous experiences. 
but everybody's kind of doing their own thing. So going back to the, the sports analogy, again, whether it's going to be baseball or whether it's going to be football, you have these people. They won awards and, and series and all that kind of stuff, but everybody has to come in and have the same game plan. Mm-hmm. And so making certain that everybody on the sales team is using the same playbook so that way they're planning their sales calls. Then when it comes to debriefing, now the leaders can consistently say, so when you did these things that we put together and that thing that Keith taught us during the training, why well, didn't really do that? Okay, well, let's talk about it. You know, now you're finding out whether it's an ability issue, you know how to train and coach them, or whether it's a motivation issue, they just don't want to, mm-hmm. okay? And that's two different conversations. So being able to put that in and work with this client, we're now rolling into year six, now that first manager that we worked with is now the national sales director. So putting all these things together, now their world is so much easier because now everybody's using the same process when it comes to from a leadership standpoint, from a sales standpoint. If you took one person off one team and threw them onto the other team, the ramping up period would be much much simpler because now it's how do we plug my current info into the playbook and now they're not trying to recreate the wheel. Mm-hmm. And the company culture changes after a while. Teams start to help each other. They start to realize that as different as they are, there's a lot more similarities than they might have omitted. And and now they tend to help each other out a lot more. And it's just a lot more fun to be around that because I've had some clients that want to try to fight me every, you know, every step of the way. So with that, I definitely hear some of the benefits. But how would you... How would you encourage a client to quantify the ROI for a program like that as it relates to the the cost? Because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, the personalized touch, all the things that you're doing, it's not an off-the-shelf product. So there's going to be some investment. So how would you encourage an organization to really identify the ROI versus the initial investment? Great. And and that goes back to the, the strategy part and the focus. So if this is a, we just need to check a box, we just need to X, Y, and Z, then, then I'm probably not going to be the right person because in most cases we're going to be more expensive. And it's not saying that we don't have a, a workshop here or talk here and mm-hmm. you know we'll do speaking engagements. Sometimes there's a fee, sometimes there's not a fee, uh, depending upon who we're partnered with. And maybe it just says, hey, I'm talking about networking, I'm talking about authentic leadership at this thing go to the thing, spend 50 bucks, and you'll, you'll be healed. But it, sometimes uh, we need to go ahead and make certain, what is that strategy? And if you don't do anything, whether it's with me or anybody else, what is that going to cost you? Right. Sometimes this can be very tangible. In sales, you could say you invest X, and then the return is 10, 12 times that, or add some extra zeros. You can check the, the numbers. Either you hit the numbers or you didn't. When it comes to a leadership thing, you're going to have to figure out what those metrics are. Is it that this person is getting better marks when they're being reviewed by their by their peers, when they're being reviewed by those that report to them? So again, part of it is going to be what's the strategy and, and what are those metrics that we're tracking six months from now and 12 months from now? How do we know this thing worked? And that's a question I ask every prospect just to make certain that uh, there's no assumptions one way or the other because I don't like to be wrong particularly if it's something that could have been addressed before we even started working together. So 
I, I understand that there are some development programs, and I know each program would be specific to the organization, but can you give me some high-level categories where an organization really might think about implementing a development program? So I heard sales. Um, what are some others that people, you know, as they're listening to this and assessing their organization, that they should think, hmm, perhaps a development program might make sense in our organization? Good question. I, I think the three biggest ones that, that we see are going to be sales, leadership, and customer service. Mm -hmm. So sales might be, a lot of times they say, hey, we need more revenue, and they come to find out it's it's more of a, a margins, margins issue. Mm -hmm. We're feeling commoditized, and, and we're slashing margins. The other thing is sometimes it's the, the sales cycle, whether it's processes or just this is the way we've always done it. So there might be some, what do we need to do to shorten the sales cycle, increase the margins, and by the way, the skills that you might need to adopt to do that are gonna take time to develop. So there's an initial training and et cetera, et cetera. Leadership, it's either existing leaders, hey, they've been with me, they used to, they used to do it, now they're managing a team of people, they've never had any formalized training, or I'm looking to continue getting them up the, the corporate ladder as the case might be. One of the bigger ones right now are I've got this younger talent, could be somewhere 25, 30, 35 or so. I want to keep them, and if I don't train them and develop them, they're going to go someplace else, and that person is going to get trained and developed there. So how do I protect my investment? And so I think there's a lot of different things when it comes to leadership. Uh, customer service is another that I think sometimes gets forgotten. Mm -hmm. uh, when you stop and think about the people that typically spend the most time with your clients, oftentimes get paid the least amount of money, get the least amount of training, and you know, what could go wrong there, right? <laughs> so I, I think making certain that you know the, there's certain brands that we typically assess, you know, associate with world-class customer service, does, does your team feel like they're getting that? So those are areas, and you know, by the way, you can't make a you know customer service you know ninja in the in the course of you know a twenty four hour training program. Right. Uh, at some point, they're going to have to take some practice, do some things different. You know, this call might be monitored for a customer. You know, right, etc. So we've all heard those. Yes, and this is a little, I guess, um, tangential. You talked about leadership and growing individuals who are in a role into a leader. Is there a difference between man being a manager and being a leader? I like to think so. Okay. So to me, a leader, and then again, I grew up in a, in a military family and I've been around sports at, at high levels as well as in the business world. And I had people that were left, you have to manage this, meaning it's not broken or it's doing a good job. Keep it going. Keep it running. Keep it efficient. Keep it profitable, which they're important skills to have. Mm. Not everybody can be a leader, though. Because a leader at that point, he or she says, I'm going to step forth, reluctantly or otherwise. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take some initiative. And guess what? Whether I want to or not, there's going to be some people that are going to follow me and looking up to me. And I'm going to have a responsibility to them, etc. Mm -hmm. So I think all leaders need to be effective managers. But not all managers necessarily need to be or want to be in a leadership role. I, yeah. I think you've got the, the, the scope on you a little bit more. Mm -hmm. People are expecting more out of you. And, and again, that goes back to the, is the person really effective at managing people and projects, or do they have what it needs or the desire also to be ahead and be a leader? Yeah, and I appreciate that because I think that that's important. I think that that is unfortunately um, an area where some organizations 
are not clear on the difference between the two and they um, misclassify individuals as being a part of leadership when truly that individual is managing a process or managing something and not quite at the point where they're able to be a leader and become transformational or really have that leadership role where they're bringing people with them and people are willing to um, that where they can facilitate the type of change they need to facilitate. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely appreciate that. And I think that goes a lot of times with some open communication. You, you make assumptions of, well, everybody wants to move up the ladder. Well, right. everybody wants to move up the ladder uh, in certain ways. But some people that want more money, some people they want more accolades, some people they just want to be left alone and do what it is they do best. Right. Uh, some people are happy to sit in the cubicle. Some people get me out of here. So a lot of it is also going to be what are their goals. Mm-hmm. So I will encourage leaders at every level or managers at that point, ask ask your team, hey, what's one personal goal that you'd like to accomplish next year and how can I help you? Maybe they want to buy a house. Maybe they want to buy a car. Maybe they want to take their kids to you know the Disney World or mm-hmm. you want know, a cruise or whatever it is they want to do. And and just that little bit of personal you know, personal connection mm-hmm. also is a way to uh, help them understand does their career path need to change? Mm-hmm. Maybe you like them being in a spot, but if they want to achieve a certain goal, they need to do some more responsibility. So therefore, there might be training and development. Mm-hmm. And maybe just because they want it doesn't mean they're capable of or vice versa. Right. Well, I definitely think that this is a topic that needs attention, and I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me about it. And I think that we are now at the point where we have to ask the most important question. Oh, boy, here it yeah, comes. The most important question of the afternoon, which is after you have developed the world and created um, awareness within organizations, and you are home or at the awesome restaurants that I know you go to. <laughs> Um, what is in your glass at that time? What do you drink to help, you know? Well, so the short answer is it depends upon what kind of day it was. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I do have uh, one place in particular that I'll, that I'll go to and I walk in and the bartender is like, you can see her scope and like read in the face. She's like, all right, is this a beer, glass of wine, or oh, this is a cocktail day? <laughs> and is the cocktail a celebratory cocktail or a I need a moment type of cocktail? Yes. But I would say my, my go-to, whether it's a I need a moment or a celebratory, it's just a classic Manhattan. Okay. Um, you know, there's we make so many different decisions and so many different variables during the course of the day yes. just to know I can go back and I back to the house. I have the I have the, you know here's the glass, here's the cube, one large round cube, mm-hmm. right? Yes. As a friend of mine said, there's nothing wrong with being a baller, you know. <laughs> and and so and then you have three ingredients yes. and you don't have to get too creative and you just know you can follow the process and have a perfect drink every time. So can you tell us those ingredients and your process, or is that proprietary? Uh, I don't know that it's too proprietary. I think part of it is going to say, you know, what is your bourbon preference? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if I'm going just run of the mill, mm-hmm. you know, might just be a Woodford Reserve, mm-hmm. you know, oak barrel, you know, the double oaked is obviously, you know, the preference. Right. That's kind of the gold standard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in some cases, you know, you might go ahead and, you know, I've part of the bourbon club here. So I yes. run into something I like. I'm like, oh, maybe we'll get a little, a little festive or a little, or a little mixed up. Um, I do like uh, putting some classic cherries and not the little candied ones that we get here. Yeah. Right, you right. need to go ahead. You have to have, so you have to have good bitters, mm-hmm. have to have good cherries. 
um, some kind of Italian cherries, the ones that I got for a gift. I'm trying to remember the name of right now. Um, you know, they're soaked in some amaretto, and like mm-hmm. so, there's a little bit of a mix mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. But you just don't have to get. You know, there's no need to get fancy. Yes. Well, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your recipe. I will make it on my YouTube channel, HR and Cocktail. So you will see that. And you'll also see a picture on Instagram of my delicious Manhattan. And perhaps one day, um, Keith and I will um, post a picture of us somewhere because he and I are both in a bourbon club together. I haven't been to as many meetings as I would like to. Um, But um, I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to do that. Um, So thank you so much, Keith. I definitely appreciate your time and thank you all. And we look forward to um, connecting with you on our next episode. Thank you for joining us this month on HR and Cocktails. Please make sure to visit our website at www.prescotthr.com where you can subscribe to the show. And while you're at it, if you're interested in learning more about our consulting services, please complete the contact form on the website. And don't forget to tell a friend about Prescott HR, home of unintimidated HR.